Hi, I'm Trevor Cochran and this is the Garden Gurus Live, a weekly show where I'll share seasonal gardening advice, feature a variety of gardeners from all across Australia and give listeners the opportunity to interact and ask your garden questions. To join the chat live and ask your gardening questions, all you need to do is like our Facebook page and tune in every Friday at 12pm Australian Eastern Standard Time. This program is brought to you by The Garden Gurus and Scott's Performance Naturals. Scott's Performance Naturals is the 100% natural and sustainable way to grow and feed your garden. Backed by years of research and developed by scientists, the technology employed enhances natural processes, allowing extra strong growth. The Performance Naturals range contains organic materials such as Nature-N, blood and bone, seaweed, biostimulants, manure and feather meal to improve the soil, and encourage microbial and earthworm activity. To find out more about the Scott's Performance Naturals range, head to lovethegarden.com.au. Hello and welcome to The Garden Gurus Live. Now, we've got a whole bunch coming up. I'll be sharing with you my plant of the week and I've got a very special potting mix. This is the time of the year that you should be potting your plants, but getting the right potting mix is actually the key to success. So do it right now, the rest of the year will be really easy. I'll show you what I use at home. Bonnie Marie Hibbs is joining us live from Melbourne, which is just great news because uh, we've been so worried with what's going on in Melbourne, but Bonnie will give us an update and it'll be nice to talk to her. But first, earlier today, I spoke with a very special guest from the Channel 9 studios. I'm very excited this morning to have Alison Langdon, uh, Ali from the Today Show joining us. Hello, how are you going? Hi, I'm really, really well. It's Friday morning, it's almost my weekend. Life's great. Yeah, I know, I know. It is something to look forward to. Ali, I wanted to ask you, I was very lucky you invited us out to your garden last year. I wanted to ask you how it was going. The garden's going pretty well, I've got to say. We've had so much rain uh, lately. So we've done nothing, which is, as you know, my style of gardening, do absolutely nothing. Um, and sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. But the lawn is not looking very good. It's with all the rain and obviously we've got a big dog. Yeah. It's seen better days. It's about as bad as it's ever looked. It, it's probably, uh, if I remember correctly, it's a, uh, it's a buffalo lawn and buffalo doesn't grow super well during the winter. So with a big dog, bit of wear and tear, um, it's going to go backwards. But as we sort of move into spring and we get a bit of warm weather, it actually should come good. But I, I do know that, uh, that your husband has ambitions to make it a little bit plastic. Is that, is that what we're thinking? Artificial grass. And you know what? For the first time, I've resisted. It looks so bad at the moment. We're about to do a renovation. And I think I'm going to cave. Oh, I think no. I'm going to cave. I know. I think... I just don't think with the dog and some of the uh, the backyard is always in the shade. No. There's just one spot that just it just never grows. So, yeah. and do, do you know what? Broken me. Ser seriously though, that that's actually a very common problem. And turf just doesn't grow in shady spots. So, it's where a good quality artificial turf really you know comes in and sort of plays a pretty good role. So it makes a bit of sense. Well, hang on, hang on. Are you saying you're on board? With fake grass. Only in spots where grass won't grow. Just just remember, I did tell you this the other day, six square metres of grass provides you 
all the oxygen for one person per day. So you really want to probably have at least 18 square metres at your place. But how do you do some fake, some real? Well, in your situation, if I remember correctly, you've got a couple of levels, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so maybe you could do one level of, of fake, uh, which would make a great putting practice course as well for golf or something. And then on the top, a little bit of that lovely green stuff as well. So with the fake grass, I might actually, that's a really good idea. I wonder if I should like build in actual like golfing holes and. Yeah, absolutely. It's look, if you're going to have it, have some fun. Yeah, yeah. No, there's no doubt about it. And look, the one bit of advice I can give you is that not all fake grass is the same. So there's some, it's a bit like carpet, you know, you can have different plies and the thicker the ply, the better it is. And some fake grass is so real these days that, you know, playing surfaces like Optus Stadium over here in Perth is actually 50% fake grass. So it's a mixture of fake grass and real grass. So, but you get what you pay for, hey? But so you good. do get what you pay for. Absolutely. So, so pay a little bit more and you'll get something that's a lot more realistic, even to the extent where in really good quality fake grass, it'll kind of have some dead grass blades in amongst the green grass blades, just so it's very realistic. Goodness, that's come so far from the from the fake grass that I've got visualised in my head and what our backyards are going to look like. <laughs> now, now tell me, Ali, last time I was over there, you showed me up big time with your basketball skills. I did, I did, but can I say you weren't really a worthy opponent. <laughs> <laughs> Going, no, 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 you were all right after the first couple. Well, the first couple, it was pretty grim there for a while. You got to admit that. Oh, yeah, you time. Oh. You actually started something because after that, I had such a complex. I came home, I got a, I got a basketball hoop. I've got, I've got three young boys. I got them out there. We practiced every night and I still cannot land that single shot you did from over the shoulder. How'd you do that? Oh, uh, you know what? I've got to fess up here. I don't think I've ever done it beforehand and I haven't been able to do it since. The fact that I did it with you and the camera was rolling. I mean, it's just like oh. microphone drop, boom, I'm done here. Just never <laughs> attempted again. <laughs> that was so cool. Now, going on to the Today Show, you know, it's it's been a big change in your career. You used to travel so much extensively. You probably couldn't have landed a regular gig with Today, you know, at a better time. Obviously, every morning you're up there with, with Carl. What's it like? Look, I mean, the jobs, to be honest, it's been really full on. It's been, it's been great. It's been wonderful. But you really, um, really felt that responsibility, particularly this year with so much stuff going on when we had bushfires and then obviously with COVID for, yeah. you know, for me, it was like, are we getting the tone right? Everyone's scared. Everyone's unsure. Um, you know, you're getting the information across, but you don't, you know, just, just getting that tone right so people feel okay, like, you know, the situation's under control and the right decisions are being made. And mm. we really felt that this year. So I feel like, I feel like it's been the longest year ever because we came back on air very beginning of January. Um, and that was pretty much it, wasn't it? It just started coming at us left, right and centre. And it just hasn't stopped, you know, yeah. but I mean, the job's amazing. And I do love working with Carl. It's just like a, a brother that you can, you're constantly ribbing and giving a hard time to. And He's so naughty, isn't he? Oh man, there's a lot of, you know, <laughs> a lot of virtual slaps taking place. <laughs> it's, uh, no, it's, look, it's, it's been really, really fun. And, you know, and I couldn't actually imagine doing it with anyone else because we've been mates for 
look, you know, we've been mates for probably about 17 years, I think. Yeah. So just, you know, I mean, you sort of, our relationships changed as you got to know each other more during that role, but there was from day dot going in a familiarity. And one of the really good things, and one of the things I love about Carl is he does always have you back. You know, yeah. I feel very safe sitting in the chair, but because he's done it for years and years and years. And for me, yeah. it's been new this year. And, you know, like I, I've been very lucky to have been invited on a few occasions now to, to you know, play a role, uh, giving some gardening advice and, and seeing what's going on behind the scenes. Uh, you know, it's something, it, it's a show in itself watching the management as, you know, one crisis happens, there's suddenly a premier making an announcement here, we've got this coming up, how, you know, we've got to be ready to go. The pressure on you guys is enormous, isn't it? And, and people wouldn't realise just how big that can be. Look, there's a lot going on. So you might be talking and then someone's in your ear saying that something else is coming up next, but, you know, you can't let anyone watching at home realise that all of this, or, you know, when the shit hits the fan, and it hits the fan quite often, <laughs> and it's just that idea of staying calm. We've got an awesome team, though. So when, and we've become very good, particularly this year, with just rolling with the punches. And I think we're pretty relaxed with it too, that it's three and a half hours of live TV. Mm. They're going to be stuff-ups and just roll with it. And sometimes the stuff-ups make the best TV, to be honest. You know, the, the thing that I love is the ability to actually go from a very serious story back to this light brevity that you guys have, that, that great rapport between the two of you. You are genuinely having fun. Yeah, and I think that's been really important. I think that was one of the things I certainly struggled with at the beginning. It's like, oh, hang on, can we have a laugh? Because half the country's on fire or, half, you know, we've got this invisible virus that's spreading and people yeah. are dying. And, you know, and that's one of the things that we sort of, you know, eventually worked out. It's like, but everything is so tense we need to laugh now more than ever like yeah. we seriously and so it's just it is getting that tone from okay let's do the serious stuff and to let's you know what let's just take our foot off the pedal and have a good laugh and you know and all those things so it's, it's actually really important to get that that vibe right yeah, I, you know, I love it. And, and I'm looking at audience numbers and I think more and more Australians are coming back to today, which is fantastic. So congratulations to both yeah, of you. Yeah, and, and that's Carl. a big thank you to everyone too. It's been, it's been really nice and it's just been that slow build. And for us, it's just staying quiet and ignoring negative headlines and knowing that the numbers are sort of better than often than what's being written up and yeah. that it's just steady goes, steady goes. And and getting people familiar with us. And, and you know, for us, like the big thing for me is, tell, is telling real stories and, and getting people to write in with, and because they often have, you know, we've been finding a lot of the stuff which is going on with the borders at the moment. We've got farmers and families writing in, people who can't get cancer treatment across the border. And mm -hmm. so for me, I think, you know, that's one of the things that I, it's great to have all the politicians on and to have the medical boffins. But for me, what's going on in this country right now is what, you know, all the stuff we're talking around the table at night and, you know, real Australians and real stories. Yeah. No, it, it, um, it's this wonderful mixture of, uh, of being very human, I think. I think that's the nice thing is that you are coming from a, a very, very good place and discussing some pretty serious things. And along the way, being able to find that, that ability to switch back and have a laugh, a bit of a dig at each other. I thought it was great um, when Carl sort of took on, he had such a wonderful serious face as he sort of said to me about the watering thing when we're talking about lawn and he said, you know, with anything. Look, you do have to be very, very careful about how much you water during germination. Um, what, what's, what's the amount of water that you recommend? Oh my gosh. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like he's pretending he has I'll... some idea what he's talking about. And uh, you, <laughs> and you, uh, you, 
you held a straight face, but you just looked at him and you went, you've got no idea, have you, Carl? <laughs> no idea. And, you know, that's where a loving, caring co-host could step in and save him. Or you could do what I do, and I just, I like to hang him out to dry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's far more fun. He gives it back as well. But that's great. It's, it's lovely having you with us this morning. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. I'm yeah. looking forward to seeing Good you with to today. Talk to you guys. And, you I mean, you guys are killing it over there. You're doing such a great job. So well done, you. Yeah, well, fingers crossed everybody can uh, can all stay safe and we, we get through this and uh, come out the other end with smiles on our face. Maybe we can all go travelling again as well. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? Do you know... You know, last year, I travelled so much last year. I went to the Canary Islands. You know, some, you learn so much when you travel. Did you know the Canary Islands, there's no canaries? So how did it get its name? Well, I don't know. It's like the Virgin Islands. You know, there's no canaries. At, there's, there's no canaries in the Virgin Islands either, Ali. <laughs> <laughs> You have a... Sticky, you're fine, Trey. <laughs> gotcha. You have a lovely day. <laughs>
interweave into the grass. So it'll cover the shady spots um, very, very well where the grass just won't grow. If you're in a situation like alleys where pretty much it's a whole level just won't grow. It's not a huge area, but it's, if it's not performing and the wear and tear is killing it, the wear and tear is going to kill the dichondra anyway, which is why maybe going for something like an artificial grass in that situation is perfect. Joe raises a really good point though, and that is that fake grass can get really hot. Remembering that the reason the grass is not growing here is because it's in the shade, so that's probably not going to be an issue in this particular instance. But if you've got a, a big open area and it's exposed to uh, you know, full sun in the peak of summer, this can burn kitties' feet, it can, it can burn pets' paws. You probably do not want to be putting fake grass into that situation. I wouldn't recommend it. I definitely recommend growing lovely green grass, your favourite variety. Good point. Now, uh, Kerry Jean from Jin Jin in Western Australia has asked a question. The yellow sticky traps that we uh, talked about, will they catch whitefly on my fuchsia? The answer is they'll catch whitefly full stop. Doesn't matter whether it's your fuchsia or your brassicas, it will work all the way through. And the reason is the whitefly is attracted to the yellow colour. Remember, they are colour blind, so they really want to gravitate to anything that's bright yellow or orange, anything in that sort of spectrum. And then if you want to control things like mites and particularly thrips, which in the next month as things warm up, will start to take off. Blue traps, so blue sticky traps will be the thing that works exceptionally well. Katrina's asking the best time of the year to spray prickles. I'm assuming that you're talking about prickles in lawns, which would really be probably bendy in most instances. And now is your absolute last chance to do it. A lot of the hose-on hose sort of weed and feeds will actually control bindi in, in lawns, but you can also get a specific bindi spray and uh, those selective sprays tend to be very good at taking weeds out just at the moment. Sharon uh, has a frangipani growing in a pot in her Melbourne garden, it grows well, but what should she feed it with and when should she be fertilising? Well, your frangipani should be pretty much dormant at the moment, so you don't need to feed it just at present. But in about um, probably eight weeks time, you wanna start stimulating some fresh new growth. And the best way to do it, well, it is definitely to add a controlled release plant food. So my recommendation is that you look at something like Osmocote, which will feed gradually and steadily with a really good, well-balanced base of nutrients. You can't burn your plants in pots when you're using Osmocote, which is why it's such a great fertilizer to use. So I hope that helps Sharon. Um, jo in Canberra, she's got an overcrowded pot of strawberries with no runners. Should you repot them or start with new plants? Um, look, you're probably a little late to be splitting them up now. You, you can do it, definitely break them up and, and put them into individual pots, but you may interfere with your fruiting process. Um, Canberra's still pretty cold. Maybe Jo, this is your weekend. This is the weekend to get out and do it. And if you're going to do it, make sure you plant them into a really good quality potting mix. I can't recommend top quality potting mixes enough. The level of disappointment that comes from cheap potting mixes is just not worth the dissatisfaction. And if I was going to recommend one, it's this one here. Now, I can point it out. It's uh, Scott's Osmocote. It's a Osmocote-based potting mix. Now, when I say that, they use Osmocote in there, so there's a long-term um, feed going on. This is their premium plus mix. You'll find there's a few different ones. Um, and you'll find that uh, with these different uh, potting mixes, they all have different grades. The thing to look out for is the little black box, which is the standard 
tick or the red box, which is the red ticks as we call them, and that's the premium grade. Now premium grade will have that controlled release fertiliser. Generally the top grade potting mixes like Osmocote have a whole bunch of other things in them and it's those other things that really make the difference to your plant's performance over a long period of time. Now is the time to be repotting, splitting up, putting plants into pots. Don't put them into a cheap potting mix. Make sure you put them into a really good quality one. For an extra couple of bucks, it is such a big difference in the final result. And generally you won't have to repot for at least probably 12 to 18 months. You're gonna get two years out of this potting mix before it starts to slump. That's it compacting down in the pot. So use this. Um, a lot of the cheaper potting mixes are generally a combination of uncomposted organics, usually something like sawdust and sand. So they're heavier and they definitely do not have the nutrition and if it hasn't been composted, whatever fertiliser you put in, as the, as the actual organics compost down, they'll take the nitrogen out of that fertiliser so your plants are actually being robbed. So it's not an unusual thing to see plants turn yellow when they've been put into a fresh, cheap potting mix and uh, that's not what you want. Go for the best every single time. You can't beat that, that's what we use all the time. This program is brought to you by The Garden Gurus and Scott's Performance Naturals. Scott's Performance Naturals is the 100% natural and sustainable way to grow and feed your garden. Backed by years of research and developed by scientists, the technology employed enhances natural processes, allowing extra strong growth. The Performance Naturals range contains organic materials such as Naturen, blood and bone, seaweed, biostimulants, manure and feather meal to improve the soil, and encourage microbial and earthworm activity. To find out more about the Scott's Performance Naturals range, head to lovethegarden.com.au. So we're heading across to Melbourne and there she is, Bonnie Marie Hibbs. Hello, lovely to see you, Bon. How are you going over there in Melbourne at the moment? Uh, it's, been, it's been good. Obviously it's been um, very different um, with all the new restrictions and that, but luckily touch wood, I've been able to still do my full-time job, which has been nice, but... Um, but yeah, it's just been, it's been crazy. It's very crazy. <laughs> How are things working with garden centres currently in Melbourne? How's Garden World working? So Garden World, um, we're doing quite well, which is, which is nice. I know there's a few other garden centres that um, might be doing, or might be struggling a little bit because they're phone-based. They don't have a website. Garden World's quite lucky that we've put a lot of energy into setting up a website where we sell our plants. And um, I actually manage that, so... I've been working on that for about six months. Um, but a lot of nurseries are, like, they're, they're getting out there, they're advertising a lot more and they're trying to reach out. And I think the best way for people to approach them is don't be afraid to call them and um, yep. try and buy your plants over the phone. Or, you know, there, there are a lot of good ways to support your local centres and um, that's just one of the ways to do it. Certainly in Melbourne at the moment, folks, if you are listening in, you know, support your local garden centres, support your local businesses. It's really a tough time. And the way we'll get through this is all working together as a community, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> now, it's oh, it's, it's fine over here. We've kind of had a very good run. We've, it's the first time in my life I've been lucky enough to live in the world's most isolated capital city. It's one of my standard lines at the moment. Never mind. It's one of the challenges. Bon, tell me about the weather over in Melbourne at the moment. How's it affecting gardens? Well, I'm currently looking out the window and it's quite stormy. It's been really wet still. I know when we last spoke, I said to you that we had so much rain that my garden was underwater. 
Um, we had about a week worth of sunshine and now it's gone back to wet. So it's been really, really cold and wet, but we've got signs of spring. The cherry blossoms are starting to come into flower and the bulbs are coming up. So the tulips and daffodils and all those things. So there's signs that the warm weather is on its way. So <laughs> fingers crossed it won't be far. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Look, I'm, it's only around the corner. We know that now. So that's a lot to look forward to, a lot of spring colour. We've got a few questions coming in. So I, I thought we, maybe we could share, the, uh, share the, the role of answering them because some of them I'm sure will pop up in Melbourne. There's, the first one is from a uh, chap by the name of James. Now, I know that James is in Western Australia because he's got a large Mary tree and that's a West Australian species that's commonly found in the southwest of WA. He wants to know what is a good shrub to plant underneath a large Mary tree or a series of large Mary trees that'll create a hedge. What would you recommend, Bon? Keeping with the native theme, you could go for, oh, there's lots of things you could do. There's some really pretty low growing grevilleas that you can do now. And they yep. like, there's one called Bonnie Prince Charles, which is a nice one. Um, but there's one called oh. Fireworks, which is only only get to about a meter, just above a meter. And that's a really dense plant. Um, what other ones could you do? You've also got lower growing banksias as well. Um, yeah. So spurnums, which aren't actually native, but suitable for the same sort of area. Um, but they're the nice things that give you diversity of flower time too. And look, one of the interesting things is where Mary trees often grow in WA, the soil can be quite sandy. And uh, that's where you'll find that that's the perfect environment to grow quite a few of the banksias as well. So, you know, your suggestion of banksias is, is great. So, James, my recommendation would be you do that. But the best thing to do, of course, is to head down to your local specialist um, native plant nursery. And uh, the one that I would suggest you stick your head into, there's a, there's a few around, probably Xanthorea is the one that you should look at. It's, it's uh, up in the hills or on the edge of the hills, the foothills, and uh, they've got an amazing collection. And of course, backed up like all good independent garden centres with some sensational local advice. That's what it's all about, right? Nurserymen are, are really good people and they're really fun to talk to actually. You can get quite a good story out of them. <laughs> As a general comment, you can get some very interesting stories out of them. Um, Hey, the next one we've got is coming from Christine. Now, she would like to know, how can she tell what is eating her spinach and how do I deal with it? Obviously, she's not eating her spinach because something else is getting it first. Well, if you're, if you're in Melbourne as well, I know from, from my own circumstance, I've got spinach in my garden and because of the amount of rain we've been getting, I've been having so many slugs and snails and they've been coming out in the evening, probably on the verge of dusk, going into um, dark light and they just... So they go nuts overnight and then you wake up the next morning there's nothing left so my initial thought if you're in melbourne it could potentially be slugs and snails if they're mm -hmm. further out could be caterpillars warmer weather they start to come out and they're tiny um what's your what's your favorite solution for controlling slugs and snails in a in a natural way um i tend to put i get my old chinese tupperware um like plastic containers and i dig that into the ground a little bit and i actually put beer i'm not beer. a beer drinker but I put a little bit of beer in it because I know that they, they're attracted to the smell and they drop in and sadly they drown on beer, which, you know, it's a nice way for them. <laughs> if you're going to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it's interesting. I, uh, coming up, I think, in it, two or three of, of the series, so possibly this weekend, you'll see I do a little beer trap story and uh, sort of suggest it's a lovely natural way to control it. The trouble was I put the beer traps out when we filmed and I put them down and then 
Next morning I came out and they'd been all emptied and literally tipped over and emptied. Somebody pulled the lid off them and I was like, what's going on? The next night I came out, I topped them back up again, came back out and I found a couple of bandicoots running around looking a little bit intoxicated. They seem to like beer. So it's not just snails and slugs. Everyone, by the sounds of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and so certainly it's, um, they're, they're all having a party in the garden at the moment. There's no doubt about it. Now, um, we've got a couple more questions. Uh, Amanda from the Snowy Mountains. Now, she's bought some Potosporum eugenoides um, to plant as screens from the neighbours, but a few of them are looking a little bit droopy and yellowing before she's had the chance to plant them. Now, is that likely to be the cold or disease? Is it fixable with anything? Um, and a different supplies plants are not suffering. What do you reckon, Bon? It'll be cold. Because um, the, there's two, two things with Potosporums that I've found with them being in Melbourne. Um, one, if they're overcrowded, they shred, they go a little bit discoloured, but usually if it's cold temperatures with a cold winter, they'll yeah. discolour and it's just a almost like a, a stress relief. They shred some leaves to reduce the amount of energy they put into all the leaves. Yeah. Um, but I probably wouldn't do anything until spring really does hit. I'd give them a light prune and a really good feed as well. Yeah, I think that's great advice. I think. Um, one of the interesting things that, um, that we are sort of highlighting in the early part of the series is that issue of dealing with lots of rain and also lots of cold and how it impacts plants, particularly frosts. And one product that I use in my garden when we really do get quite a bad frost, on the plants that are sensitive, I get out with sea salt and I try, and if I know we've got some frosts coming up, a lot of clear nights ahead of us, and I've got really sensitive plants in a particular area, I'll put some sea salt over the top, literally watering it over the foliage. And um, I'm not I don't really understand what the science is behind it. I know sea salt is a rich source of plant um, phytochemicals, so uh, it's not so much nutrient, but it's more, more about those, um, those plant hormones. And whatever it is that's in there seems to stop the damage that's caused by frost. So it's a pretty invaluable tool, Cecil. We recommend it a lot in the nursery as well. Um, when plants are stressed, or whether it be cold stress or from you know pests, um, we usually recommend Cecil because it's, the way we describe it, it's a bit like a root stim, uh, uh, what am I saying? Stimulant. Yeah. And, and it almost recovers that root system so the plant can be stronger and then perform better. Yeah, I, I talk, talk about it as the ultimate soil conditioner. It basically gets the soil's health back. And of course, if the soil's healthy and, and, and really providing the plant everything it needs, the plant generally takes off and does very well. Now, I've got a few more questions flying through at us. And, and uh, my suggestion, I suppose, the answer to the, the question that was raised was that you probably just want to give them all a bit of a soak with some sea salt. I think that will make the difference. And just, just to clarify, it is sea salt, as in solution, just um, in case. I remember once I talked about sea salt and I sat a little bit too fast and somebody put some sea salt on their plants, which is not a good thing. James from Perth has asked, what should I be doing with my indoor succulents right now? What can I do to speed up the growth of my finger lime tree? I'll answer the finger lime if you do the succulents. Succulents, if you're keeping them indoors, I, I'd imagine Sydney's climate is quite warm at the moment. Um, and if you're getting nice sunny days, I'd be tempted to take them out for a full day, give them a really good amount of sunshine. Um, the trick with succulents, if you want them to put on a little bit of growth and just to green up a little bit, 
don't be tempted to use a liquid fertilizer. They don't like sudden in, um, intakes of nitrogen. Too much nitrogen will make them go a bit limp and a little bit weak. Yeah. Um, so you're better off giving them a gradual or a slow release fertilizer. Um, and that will help them for six months of feed and then you can do it again in six months time. But I'd take them out for a day, give them some sunshine. If some need repotting, repot a few as well. I mean, naturally they would grow out in full sun. That's the environment they've come from. So if you can kind of emulate that, when you get indoors, you tend to find they do get quite soft, don't they? And now look, the other question that James asked, and James is actually from Perth, but Perth and Sydney, um, fairly similar sort of um, temperature extremes just at the moment. What can I do to speed up the growth of my finger lime tree? Well, look, they do grow slowly. They take a while to establish. This is a native, so you can actually use a native plant food or you can use a citrus specialist controlled release fertiliser. So citrus are like us. They, one, they have a very uh, high intensity diet when it comes to uh, not large amounts of food at once, but a very complex diet. So they need lots and lots of minerals and trace elements, particularly things like manganese, magnesium and iron. They're very important trace elements that are very important to citrus, more so than, than a lot of other plants. And they, they feed a lot quite regularly. So the thing with controlled release fertilisers is they feed over a four month period or maybe a six month period, but they give you small amounts every day. And that's the way we should be eating. Small amounts every day is actually better for us than getting you know, a huge meal and then not eating for a month. It's not good for us. You won't live very long if you do that. Plants are very similar. They need to be fed small amounts on a regular basis. And with anything that's edible, think about what's going into the soil. So the soil only has so many mineral nutrients in it. And when they're taken out by a plant, you have to put them back in. The soil can't just make minerals they actually have to be replenished into the soil, which is why fertilizers are so important. And when it comes to edible plants, get a fertilizer that's got a very complex diet. So you really want as many micro, a macro and micronutrients as you possibly can um, in a really nice balance. And if you get that, it'll go into the plant, it'll go into the produce, and you'll end up being able to, well, hopefully avoid things like having to take calcium tablets or iron tablets or any of those kinds of things, which many of us have to supplement our diet because we're not getting it out of the food we're eating. That's how you solve it. Now, um, Isaac, Isaac's, this is a good one for you, Bonnie. Isaac's got a boggy part in his backyard. Is there a fruit tree that's able to grow in this type of soil and therefore perhaps make the soil less soggy? It depends on how, how boggy it is. Um, so where I, where I live, I've got extremely heavy clay to the point where if you walk on it at the moment, it's like a sponge. And I've got apple trees and nectarines and uh, apricots growing really well in that soil, but you don't want them to be drowning in it either. So I'd still recommend doing a little bit of prep work on your soil. So adding some well-aged compost and manures into that soil. Um, but usually those trees, more deciduous forms are, are a bit better with it. Um, whereas citrus definitely would need better, better drainage. So look to more your deciduous fruit trees. Yeah, I think it's, that's great advice. Um, the downside to it is, of course, when uh, things are really boggy, it's usually the winter time. That's often when they're dormant. So in heavier soils, it's where you sort of mound up the soil and plant into the top of the mound. So that'll just make sure that the roots don't get soggy and saturated during the winter and actually you end up with some sort of fungal disease. It's always a nice little solution. 
if you lived over here in the west or maybe you're out in the Mornington Peninsula in Melbourne or in the northern suburbs of Sydney, you'll notice that you've got sandy soils and you'd actually do something quite different in sandy soils. You'd actually create a little bit of a, a furrow, if you like, and plant into the bottom of that. And that means that throughout the year, whenever there's moisture available, it'll head to the plant and not away from the plant, which is um, very important. So drainage is everything as well, right, Bon? It can be the, um, the undoing of a plant sometimes. So yeah, you always want to work with your soil. I always mm. say it's like the foundation to a house. Your soil is the foundation to your plants. So you always work yep. your soil. Don't get the soil right in your garden. You're, you're really in strife. Now, we've got a couple more questions coming through. So Sajid has asked a question. He's got a problem with about rose dieback, but this isn't really rose dieback as such. A few days ago, I got a cutting from a rose, brought it back home in order to propagate it. So I put it, put it in and, and gave, it some, gave some fertiliser to it. The problem is that it's now gone brown without any roots or buds. Could you tell me what I should do? So this is a propagation thing and there's a, there's a few things that you've probably done wrong there. Do you want to fire away? So when you're taking rose cuttings, the biggest thing, you want to make sure that that cut point is always kept moist. Um, as soon as it dries out, it will reduce the chances of it striking. Um, but it also sounds like it may potentially of, well, it could have um, been burnt from the fertilizer, putting that in. Usually you don't need to do any fertilizer when you're propagating plants until they have a really good established root system. Um, but I'd say there's probably a potential that maybe that stem cutting dried out predominantly for that dieback to form. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd say that's probably the main issue. Yeah, I mean, the first thing you need to be aware of is that roses are dormant this time of the year, so... Kind of, of course, yes. <laughs> you're not going you're not gonna to get any growth for a start. Um, the se second thing is, uh, when you take a raw cutting, putting nutrient up against that, any kind of mineral nutrient, is going to damage the tissue where you want it to callus. So you really probably best not to be taking... What, what you want to do is take your cuttings, put them into a good propagation mix that, that's free draining, right? And then um, ideally, if you want to get good callusing on the bottom, get, some, get a little heat pad that you can put at the base of the tray so you're warming the soil up. So that's what the professional propagators would do. They would be literally heating the, the soil, just warming it a little bit more than the, the external temperature. And what that'll cause is rapid callusing on the bottom you're still not going to get a lot of root growth probably until November, December, when you'll see you know, a bit of bud sort of growth and take off and it starts to really start, starts to move quite well. But um, yeah, that's, that's probably the best bit of advice. We've got one more question, Bon. Um, now, Kylie, if I was to fill a raised garden bed with sand and mix this in, would this make for a good soil? That's a good question. I'm, I'm assuming you're mixing it in with some of the existing soil. And I would be assuming that the existing soil is probably a heavier kind of soil. Yeah, if, yeah exactly what Trevor said is if, if it's a really heavy clay-like soil, then sand can definitely be beneficial. Um, however, if it's more of a loam soil, um, adding a lot of sand probably won't be as beneficial. You'd be better off adding more organic matter so like the compost and the manures at a obviously at the right ratio um but yeah if it's heavy heavy clay you can definitely add add your sand in but i'd probably add a bag of compost i always say always add compost whenever you're planting or you're establishing a garden bed it's such yeah. good stuff best advice and of course it makes sure that the soils we we kind of we look at soil and we think of it as this kind of inert sort of substance that plants anchor themselves in but it's actually the soil's life that gives the plant life so without 
all those microbes in the soil, um, the minerals are not broken down into a soluble form and they're not connected to the roots. There's actually a, a natural process where you know, these microbes, uh, natural microscopic fungi, join to the roots and allow the transfer of those nutrients in and out. So making sure that the organics are in there will support that, that microbial life. Bonnie, I want to ask you one more question before I let you go, but tell me what's happening in the nursery right at the moment? Are you filling it up with plants? We're looking forward to, uh, to things settling down. I, I notice the numbers are slowly coming down this week as far as COVID goes. Hopefully that's a good sign that Victoria might reopen for business sometime soon. Fingers crossed um, the numbers continue to drop down. Um, they sort of go up and down depending. Um, but our, our lockdown has been extended just a little bit past the school holidays, which is you know understandable and I think that's a good decision. Um, but in terms of nurseries, what's happening in the nursery, there's a lot happening. Even if our doors are closed, like I was saying earlier, we're open online and we've had a lot of lot of stock coming through. We've had new release tomatoes, which are exciting. So I'm a, I'm a tomato grower, and there's one that is going to get 600 grams or so for one fruit. So it's very big. Um, so I'll have to test that one out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, now we've got a lot of stock coming in. Um, but we're just trying our best to, you know, still answer the phone calls and give people the advice that they want over the phone and try and create that excitement for them as well. Well, it's certainly tough times over in Victoria and our hearts, everybody right across the country, our hearts go out to the challenges that you're experiencing there, but it does look like things are heading in a, in a positive direction. And, um, you know, to you and James and all the team out at Garden World, we wish you the very best. Keep up the great work. It's good to see you out there still, you know, supporting um, people. When we're at home, we tend to garden more, which is great. So... Um, yeah. Stay safe, Bonnie, and thank you so much for joining us this morning. Right, and thank you for having me, like always. <laughs> it's been good to see you. The <laughs> sooner we get you back on the show, the better, that's for sure. I miss it. I miss everyone. <laughs> yeah, well, just, just hang in there. We'll get you back as soon as we can. Thanks, Bon. Now, let's have a bit of a look at what we've got coming up. There's a bit going on. Just before I wind up today. I just want to show you that. Um, you know those. We, we highlighted them last week and this is the beautiful Geraldton Wax. So this is the traditional Geraldton Wax but the ones we featured some brand new hybrids and they were the, from, from the guys at Helix that uh, we, we talked about with them. Interestingly enough they when they were put as a special offer on Garden Express they just sold out straight away within literally the period of time that they were on air. So we apologise that they sold out. The good news is that Rowan, David and the team at Garden Express went out hunting and they found some more stock. So if you want to get your hands on them, now is the time to do it. I'm going to point out a couple of other things that I really recommend that you plant. It's your last chance to be putting things like this in. Radish, this is the Japanese radish daikon. Delicious. Um, apples. Now's the time to be harvesting them. They're just about at the end of the season, but it's also the time to be planting them. This is the Bravo, that beautiful, almost black apple. And remember, all the goodness in an apple, all the, all the phytochemicals that are so good for your body and all the nutrients are actually in the skin. And Bonnie mentioned it before, but also this is the time of the year to be planting your tomatoes. So um, beautiful heirloom varieties, um, your black Russians, all of those should be getting planted in your garden now. I hope that helps you and I hope 
us answering your questions have been good. A big thanks to everybody who pulled this all together again today. And it's so good that it all worked. I hope you can join us next week. Thanks very much for joining us. I'm Trevor Cochran. We'll see you. Actually, don't forget, we've got the Garden Gurus this weekend on Channel 9. Check your local guides. We'll see you next week for the Garden Gurus Live. A dig, 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 digging around. Dig, 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 digging the ground. I got my spade. I got my hoe. I got my rake and I'm ready to go. The Garden Gurus is back on your TV this weekend. Now, we know that this can be a little bit confusing, so listen carefully, folks. We're on 9 and 9HD for New South Wales, Victoria, Queensland and the Northern Territory on Saturday at 12.30pm. For South Australia and Tasmania, we'll be on your screens on Saturdays at 4.30pm. And for those in WA, tune in Sundays at 5.30pm. And on Nine Life across all states, you can watch the Garden Gurus team every Saturday from tomorrow at 5 p.m. Dig, 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 dig in the ground. Feeling good in the ground. I got my speed, I got my hole, I got my rig, and I'm ready to go. Dig in the ground.